So our second reading is from John chapter 1, starting at verse 35. On, on this pew Bible, it's page 1110. So John chapter 1, verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following him and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what Jesus had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which then translated as is Peter. The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael replied. Come and see, said uh, Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching him, he said, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You, sh you shall see greater things than that. And he added, I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Uh, as Chris has already said, my name is Jesse. I'm one of the student ministers here. Uh, it's my privilege to uh, bring God's word uh, this morning. Uh, I'm also one of those who is suffering with a cold, as Chris has already uh, prayed for. So uh, how about we uh, pray and ask uh, for God's help, not only uh, that you would be able to hear me well, but that I would be able to uh, speak words that... Uh, uh, hearable and make sense. Uh, let's let's pray. Our Father, we praise you that your word is powerful, and it is your power for the salvation of people. We praise you that your word is useful, and that it teaches and rebukes and corrects and trains us. And we pray that it would do that this morning. We pray that you would make us wise for salvation. We pray that you would equip us for the work that you have given us to do. We pray that you would help my voice, that you would help all of our ears. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> we get invitations to events fairly frequently, don't we? Uh, whether it's to dinner or to a wedding or to a birthday. Have you received an invitation to meet someone, though? 
Maybe it was an invitation to meet the romantic interest of a friend of yours. Have you ever imagined what it would be like to meet someone famous or someone powerful? Did you hear the story of Ahmed Mohammed last year? He went to school in Texas one day and showed his teacher a digital clock that he had made. The teacher thought that he was threatening her with a bomb and so the police were called and he was uh, led out in handcuffs. Ahmed received a big show of support from the American public and even the world, but even more than that, he got some amazing invitations. Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook, said that he would love to meet Ahmed. That would actually be really exciting because you can imagine the, the job opportunities that would come from that. You never know. But even more incredibly, the President of the United States, Barack Obama, personally invited him to come to the White House. Can you imagine getting an invitation from the President of the United States of America to come to the White House? It's unbelievable. And here in John chapter 1, we're all getting an invitation to meet someone. And believe it or not, it's someone who is more significant than a president. Someone who's impacted more lives than anyone else in history. In these verses, John is inviting us, come and see the real Jesus. And we need to respond. If there's one thing that comes through a number of times in these verses, it's the idea that Jesus is king. We'll see that in a minute, but he's a king who's presented in two different ways. In verses 35 to 42, we're invited, come and see the king to be slain. And in verses 43 to 51, come and see the king who will reign. This is John's invitation. Come and see the real Jesus. There's lots of different ideas about who Jesus really is. Maybe you think that you already know who he is. Or maybe you're confused. We're going to explore this morning what John said about Jesus. John was one of Jesus' closest friends, so if anyone knew who he was, it was John. So whether you already know Jesus or you've never met him before, let's accept this invitation. Let's come and see the real Jesus. And in verses 35 to 42, he's the king to be slain. But before we meet this king, there's someone else that John wants us to meet first. It's a different John, John the Baptist. He comes up a number of times in this chapter and he pops up again in verse 35. He's mysterious, but he's given us his job description back in verse 23. He's come to prepare the people for the Lord, the one who's coming to rule over his people as king. And then verse 29, John sees the Lord. He sees Jesus coming towards him and he just can't contain himself. With everyone around him, he points him out saying, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And as we come to our passage in verse 35, we read, the next day John was there again with his two disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, 
the Lamb of God. Twice in two days, the same thing happens. The same words come out of his mouth. Both times when John sees Jesus, he calls him the Lamb of God. These verses are inviting us to see the real Jesus and in these verses, the real Jesus is a Lamb. But why call him the Lamb of God? doesn't sound like a ruler, does it? Lambs are weak and helpless. They're not the kind of character traits that we want in a leader, are they? Surely the king that John was looking forward to, was pointing to, would be charismatic, would be strong, not not weak. If you've read some of the Old Testament, chances are you've come across this idea of lambs and you know that they were sacrifices. And so they're strange words, aren't they? It must have been confusing because the two disciples with John all of a sudden leave to get answers. Verse 37, when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. They'd probably been there the previous day, the sun beating down on their heads, watching John as he baptised people in the Jordan River. They listened as he taught the people about the coming king. And then Jesus had come. John had stopped, pointed him out, called him the Lamb of God. Just imagine how confusing that must have been for them. They were waiting for a king and here comes a lamb. And so when John says the same thing about him the next day, they can't stop themselves. They follow him. They ask him where he was staying, eager to talk with him more, to find out more. Come and see, says Jesus. They haven't worked out who Jesus is yet. And so Jesus invites them, come and see. I was in high school when I first uh, got glasses. I didn't think my eyes were too bad, but, but I could tell there wasn't... There was something that just wasn't right. So, so eventually I went to the optometrist, I got some glasses, and finally I could see properly. I can especially remember one night when we were driving in the car, I was in the back seat uh, without my glasses on. And as I looked out the window, basically all that I could see of the other cars was this red blur of taillights. And just to see how much better my glasses made my sight, I got them out of the case and put them on while I was looking at this red blur. And all of a sudden, what was one blur of red became two distinct red lights. My life changed because I could see. And the lives of these two disciples changed in a much more significant way because now they could see, just that little bit clearer. But they weren't seeing red taillights. They were starting to see the real Jesus. They still didn't have the full picture yet. But after after spending some time with Jesus, Andrew, one of John's disciples, goes to find his brother Simon. Verse 41, we have found the Messiah. 
that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Kephas, which, when translated, is Peter. Andrew's excited. His vision has just started to improve. He's starting to understand. And he races off to get his brother. But it's strange, isn't it, that Andrew would so quickly come to the conclusion that Jesus is the Christ. He'd only spent a little bit of time with Jesus by this point and he hadn't seen anything yet. At this stage, he doesn't know what it means that Jesus is the Lamb of God or even that he's the Christ. He doesn't understand. They're only in the first chapter of this story. But still, even though they only have a glimpse of who Jesus is, they do have those two important bits of information. They know from John that Jesus is the Lamb of God, even if they don't fully understand it. And Andrew has decided that Jesus is the Christ, the King. And while those ideas haven't been fleshed out, they know that Jesus is special. This is their first meeting with Jesus. And when he calls them to be his disciples in Mark chapter 1, while they're fishing with his father, they will instantly drop everything to be with him. Because they've come to see, at least partially, that Jesus is the King. But they're still to see that Jesus is the King to be slain. We're being invited in this passage. Come and see the real Jesus. And as we trace the story in John 1, we're given more information about Jesus. Verses uh, 43 to 51 invite us, come and see the King who will reign. Verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. The king to be slain decides to leave the region of Judah in the south and go to Galilee, which is in the north. But why would he move? He's starting to get some attention in Judah. There's a few people who seem interested in him, even if they don't fully understand yet. So why move? Verse 43 actually gives us The answer, finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. It's easy to pass by these words, but we need to look carefully. Because this isn't saying that Jesus just happened to run into Philip. They didn't just happen to be at the same place at the same time. No, Jesus deliberately left Judah and went to Galilee that day because he was looking for Philip. He wanted to find him, and he did. Jesus is the king who will reign and he begins his reign here by gathering a disciple. It doesn't look like Andrew, Peter or John's other disciple are following him yet. And so here it looks like we have the first disciple of Jesus. And it's Jesus himself who calls him to follow. There's no one who introduces Philip to Jesus. Jesus searches for him himself and after finding him says, follow me. But what does this new disciple do in verse 45? Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Philip has just met Jesus and already he's telling others about him. 
he, he probably spent a little bit of time with Jesus, though, don't you think? He, he knows who his family is, where he's from. He has some idea of how significant he is. But he goes to Nathaniel and says, we have found the one, the one Moses had written about and the prophets. He's finally arrived. Can you feel the anticipation from Philip? The king who will reign is here. Come on, Nathaniel, come and meet him. Philip is a big rebuke to me. I wonder if he's a rebuke to you as well. For those of us who think we know Jesus really well, it's so common for that fire for evangelism to get less intense. We see new believers come to to know Jesus and the fire is burning brightly in them. They want everyone that they know to know about Jesus. And what are we tempted to say? Just wait. Just wait. They'll, They'll calm down eventually. But they shouldn't calm down, should they? And neither should we. We should be just like Philip with passion for Jesus and for telling others about Jesus, burning brightly in us. And then we have the first words of doubt in verse 46. Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? We're told in chapter 21, verse 2, that Nathanael is from Cana, which is a town in Galilee. Now, if you were from Galilee... The rest of Israel looked down on you. You were the hillbillies. You were the rednecks. And here we have someone from Galilee looking down on someone from Nazareth, another town in in Galilee. It seems as if Nazareth is the worst of the worst, the most despised city in a despised region. It kind of reminds me of a place in Geelong where I grew up. I lived on the east side of Geelong, which there means that you're not in the nicest area. It's a bit different in Melbourne, but there, you're not in the nicest area. But there was a suburb just next to mine, which was notorious. I had a friend who lived close to the border of that suburb, and whenever anyone would suggest that their house was actually in that notorious suburb, his whole family would be quick to object. They'd even be willing to go get some letters that were addressed to them from the government or from somewhere official to show how it had been addressed, to show what suburb they were actually in. They really did not want to be associated with that suburb. But even in that suburb, there was one street that was particularly bad. If ever you heard that the police had been called to that suburb, you weren't surprised to hear that they'd been called to that street. The street was synonymous with the suburb. If the, it was notorious, just like the Galilean town of Nazareth. Can you imagine the likelihood of a Prime Minister coming from that street? The next Prime Minister of Australia to come from that street? I can't imagine it. And so you can understand why Nathaniel is a bit doubtful to hear that the person that they've been waiting for all this time, the king who had been promised for hundreds of years, the one who was said to be glorious, who would reign on the throne, 
He'd heard that this king has been found and he's from Nazareth. Can you understand Nathaniel's doubt? But Philip doesn't engage with that question. He doesn't argue. He just invites him. Come and see. Verse 46. Put aside your prejudice. Put aside your preconceived notions about who Jesus is. Come and see. Do you have preconceived notions of who Jesus is? Maybe you don't. Maybe you've never really thought about him before. Or maybe you've only heard about him recently. If that's the case, then it's, it's great that you are here. You are very welcome. It's, it's great that you're here to hear the claims that the Bible makes about Jesus. Feel free to ask questions about Jesus. That's what we're here for. Explore what it is that the Bible says and whether it's true and whether you believe it. But maybe you do have your own preconceived ideas of who Jesus is. There's a lot of different ideas out there. Maybe you don't think Jesus existed at all, that he's been made up. Or maybe you think he was a liar or a revolutionary trying to reform the Jewish religion or just a good teacher who the authorities didn't like. Or maybe something else. Whatever and whoever you think Jesus was, let me encourage you, just like Philip encouraged Nathaniel, come and see. Be willing to explore what the Bible says about Jesus. At the very least, you'll be able to understand Christians better. And isn't understanding helpful? Even if you don't end up agreeing with us, at least you'll understand us. But come and see who Jesus really is. Read the Bible with us. We can have conversations about the Bible and whether it's accurate or made up. We can have all of those conversations. But come and see. Nathaniel did decide to come and see. Verse 47. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. They're strange verses, aren't they? It seems like Jesus sees Nathanael coming and is impressed that he doesn't have these preconceived ideas, that he's willing to put them aside. But how does he know that? How does he know that, that Nathanael is putting aside his preconceived notions? Nathanael has that question. He asks the question that we all ask. How do you know me? And Jesus says those strange words. I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. What on earth is Jesus talking about? That was my question as I was reading this passage. It was my question when I went to the commentaries. And no one knows what Jesus is talking about. No one knows. Seems like this is something that's just between Jesus and Nathaniel. Something special for them. We, we can't know what Jesus saw and what the significance of that was. But what's important for us isn't what Jesus saw, 
It's how Nathaniel reacted. Rabbi, he says, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus really is the one they've been looking for. He really is the king who will reign. Philip invited him to come and see. And he came and he's been convinced. But again, it's a big thing for Nathaniel to say so quickly, isn't it? It's like Andrew back in verse 41, so quick to tell Peter that they had found the Messiah. So Jesus says in verse 50, you believe because I saw you, I told you I saw you under the fig tree, you shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus is saying, we're only at chapter 1. We're only at the beginning of the story. You think you've seen something amazing? You haven't seen anything yet. Just wait until you've actually heard my teaching. Wait until you see the miracles. Wait until you finally understand what it means that I am the Lamb of God. Wait until you see what that means when I am given the crown of thorns, when I am put on the cross and my glory is seen as I die on that cross to save sinners, to bring forgiveness of sins as I die like a lamb, like a sacrifice. Wait until I rise again, rewarded by God with the eternal throne of heaven, reigning as the victorious king. Just like Jacob saw angels going up and down a ladder doing God's will, you will see me doing the will of God. Jesus is saying he truly is the king who will reign. And we haven't seen anything yet. Jesus invites Nathaniel and everyone else who will hear, come and see. And if you haven't done that before, if you've never explored who Jesus really is, let me encourage you to do that. Read through the rest of John's Gospel and meet the man himself. Speak to Chris or speak to John about going through Christianity Explored where you go through the Gospel of Mark in, in eight weeks. If you don't know Jesus... Get to know him. Come and see. Just imagine refusing an invitation to meet the President of the United States. You'd be crazy, wouldn't you? Even if you didn't like his policies, you'd be crazy. You have an invitation here to meet the eternal king of the universe, to meet the one that so many others have met and decided he really is the one to follow. He started out with just a few followers and it's grown to an incredible number since. Won't you come and see the real Jesus, the one that so many others are following and decided that he is worthy? Or will you ignore him? Will you reject the real king? Nothing good can come from that. This is uh, your eternal destiny that we're talking about. This will determine everything. Come and see. For those of us who do 
know Jesus. We have the privilege of knowing more than the disciples did in this chapter, don't we? But we can't just be content with knowing Jesus. Because we're not just supposed to know him in our heads and do nothing with it. We're supposed to share Jesus. Just like we saw so much of in this passage, we should be telling our friends and our family about Jesus. We should be eagerly sharing him. We don't want our friends and our family to miss out, do we? This is their eternal destiny we're talking about. Their chance to come and see and meet the king who was slain and the king who reigns. I was in a bank queue a few months ago and the person in front of me started to have a conversation with me. My kids were with me. He said hi to them and then he pulled out a picture of his pride and joy, his brand new car. He'd bought it just a few days ago and he was eager to show it off. Now, I'm not a car guy, so I'm sorry to say that I can't describe it to you in amazing detail. All I can say is that it's red and it was expensive. That's all I've got. But I was in a queue, not even thinking about how I could share Jesus and talk about Jesus. And here was a guy who was taking every opportunity that he had. He did the same thing to the cashier, showing her pictures of the car, telling her all about it. He was so excited. He was taking every opportunity to tell people about his car. Why wasn't I taking every opportunity that I had to tell people about the king who was slain and the one who reigns? We've been invited to come and see the real Jesus. And when you do come and see, when you do know him, you need to share him. He's the king who was slain and who now reigns. So let's invite everyone we know, and even those that we don't know, to come and see the real Jesus. Because there is no one better for them to meet. Let's pray. Our God, we do praise you that you sent your son. We praise you for these, these words that we have in John. We praise you that you have given us the rest of the Gospel of John to come and see to see Jesus as the Lamb of God, to see him as the King who reigns in heaven. We pray for those here who do not know you, who are exploring, who are trying to find out all about him. And we ask that you would give them eyes to see and ears to hear. We pray that you would give them faith. We also pray for those of us who do know him, and who love him. Please, our God, do use us. Please, Father, give us a fire for evangelism, for sharing Jesus with others. We pray that we would love our friends and our family so that we would share him with them. We pray that they would come and see. In Jesus' name. Amen.